0: Well, I want to, uh, as we begin our sermon this morning, I want to play for you uh, the first 10 seconds or so of a classic song. So I want you to listen and then I need you to tell me what song that is. Somebody will know and you, you don't have to pretend like you're all stuffy and righteous and don't know this song. It's okay. It's a, it's a good song. So, so let's play the very beginning of this song and see if you know what it is. So yeah, Stairway to Heaven, classic 1971 hit by Led Zeppelin. Now, whatever your feelings about Led Zeppelin, if you at all appreciate popular music, you have to admit that it's a song that you don't skip, you don't turn off when it starts playing. It has for decades been listed in almost every single collection of the greatest songs of all time. Some of you might remember some of the controversy surrounding the song in in 1982, Trinity Broadcasting ran sort of a hit piece on this song, claiming that if you play it backwards, that it's actually an ode to Satan. And it took evangelical Christianity by storm. All those parents who didn't want their kids listening to Led Zeppelin grabbed on to that story, and it worked for a while. Many people believed it until the internet came around, and then you could actually listen to it for yourself, and everybody realized that it wasn't, in fact, an ode to Satan. It became pretty clear that the whole thing was what's called auditory illusion. If you actually listened to the song backwards, you would only pick up about 90% of the words that were assumed to be there if they were supplied for you, if your brain was told what to hear. It's an old trick. You can go on YouTube and search auditory illusions, and you can see many examples of how if we tell our brain what to hear, we'll hear it, but if we don't, we won't hear it. And Stairway to Heaven, by almost everyone's estimation now, is not uh, an ode to Satan. Now you might uh, disagree with my assessment of it musically being a great song, uh, but we can all agree that it's a song that wrestles with deep spiritual questions. And while I would certainly disagree with any, likely any spiritual conclusions that Jimmy Page and Robert Plant (laughs) arrive at in the song it does contain a clear sense and you get this if you, if you pay attention to the lyrics of the song that the meaning and the purpose of life isn't found in materialism and wealth that there's something more to this life and being 1971 the meaning of life as explained by the song is self-actualization and Utopian solidarity. The song draws to conclusion with these words. It says this, quote, And if you listen very hard, the tune will come to you at last, when all are one and one is all. If we could all just work together and get that utopian dream. But of course, the main image of this song, the the notion of a stairway to heaven, is one that comes from the book of Genesis. One of the primary themes uh, of this book since chapter 3 and really one of the primary themes of the entire Bible is the distance between God and mankind. Because of our sin, human beings are distanced from their Creator and in fact living as enemies of God. Think about the millions of theories and attempts that have been made to try to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. Trying to appease God, trying to fix what we sense is broken. There's a deep sense, a deep understanding within each of us that things are not right. And human beings have been trying anything and everything to fix that brokenness, even if they don't know its cause. And so, for example, we had the account early in Genesis of the Tower of Babel. You remember what the residents of Babel said. They said, come, let us build a tower, a city that will reach the heavens. We'll make a name for ourselves. Whether they thought they could actually reach heaven or whether they wanted to be gods themselves, they were trying to undo that brokenness that they felt. That longing for something more. But in our text for today, we have Jacob. After he leaves his home and his parents and his family, uh, partly running from his brother Esau and partly in search of a wife. And Jacob encounters in our text for today, a true stairway to heaven. And I think what we will see is that we, in part, agree with Led Zeppelin. That it's foolish to think you can buy yourself a stairway to heaven. That only a fool thinks that materialism and wealth can fix your greatest need. But we would add that even solidarity, even self-gratification and self-actualization can't fix that which is broken. The solution isn't found somewhere within us. And in fact, we'll see that it's only when we come to the end of ourselves... When we are, to use the imagery of Jacob, when we are sent away, when we are alone, hungry, suffering, it's only then that we might actually discover that for which our soul is searching. And perhaps, above all, we will discover today that the true stairway to heaven is a person. Our sermon text for today from Genesis chapter 28, as we continue the story of God's rescue of his people from sin genesis chapter 28 uh, starting in verse 10. this is god's word to us jacob left beersheba and set out for haran when he reached a certain place he stopped for the night because the sun had set taking one of the stones there he put it under his head and lay down to sleep he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth On earth will be blessed through you and your offspring I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you when Jacob awoke from his sleep he thought surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God this is the gate of heaven Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Let's pray. God, as you speak through your word, give us hearts and minds that are receptive to you. Lead us to the cross in repentance. And leave us resting today in your good news, your promises for sinners. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we consider this account of Jacob's encounter with God, we see a reminder of the covenant promises of God, and then we find two practical lessons. So first, let's look at this reminder of God's covenant promises. Perhaps the most important thing when you're reading and studying the Old Testament is to keep from losing the forest for the trees. And so the question arises, what is the forest? What is the big picture that we find in the Old Testament? And it's, it's important to recognize that the Bible isn't a disjointed collection of loosely related books. So, for example, several years ago I preached through the book of Exodus. Exodus isn't just the story of Moses and the Hebrew people being delivered from captivity in Egypt. It's a larger story. It's part of a larger story. The book of Jonah, for example, isn't just about a guy who disobeyed God and got swallowed by a giant fish and spit out three days later. It's part of a larger story. The book of Hosea isn't just a story about a guy who made horrible decisions when it came to women and spent his life paying for those decisions. It's part of a larger story. The Bible really is one story. One cohesive series of events that are all moving in the same direction, all moving to the same place, all playing the same tune. And what is that direction? What is the forest that we, that we want to make sure we don't lose for those individual trees? The story of the Bible is the story of God's promise to rescue and redeem and restore his creation. And we get that clear reminder in our text for today. It can be easy if we're just reading through Genesis like we are sort of one chapter at a time to get bogged down in in the drama and the character development. We could begin to think that this is really a story of a dramatic and complicated family starting with Abraham and now being continued by his grandson Jacob. But of course the family isn't the story. They're just the means by which God will eventually rescue, redeem, and restore his creation. And so today we meet up with Jacob. He's a day or two into his five to 600-mile journey to the land of his ancestors. He leaves Beersheba, and he arrives in the area of Luz. Now, Beersheba is about 60 miles south of present-day Jerusalem. And so as he arrives at Luz, he hasn't yet made it north of Jerusalem. He's moving from south to north, and he hasn't yet made it to Jerusalem. He's going all the way to modern-day Syria. He has a long journey ahead of him, especially in that climate and topography. And we get the sense that he's not exactly traveling in comfort. Verse 11 tells us that he takes a stone and he uses it as a pillow. And when he drifts off to sleep, he has a dream. And in the dream, there is a ladder or a stairway that reaches down from heaven and touches the earth. The word could be translated as ladder, stairway, even ramp, a ramp to heaven. And and so whether it looked more like a ladder or a staircase or a ramp, we, we really don't know. What we do know is that there are angels ascending and descending up and down this stairway and god appears god speaks this might be the least known but most important part of this story most people who have spent any time in sunday school remember the story of jacob's ladder but almost nobody remembers what god says to jacob which is really the the pertinent part of this encounter so what does god say God renews his covenant, his promises with Jacob. Verse 13 of our text says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God reminds Jacob of the covenant promises that were given to his grandfather Abraham and to his father Isaac. And now they are given by God to him. I've talked about these promises in past sermons, but I think it's important to revisit it just a little bit this morning. Uh, In verse 13, he says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you were lying. So there is a, a land component to the covenant, to God's agreement, God's promise to Israel. God will give this land to them, and we often think of it as the promised land. God was going to use this area, this land, to bring about his rescue and redemption and restoration of his creation this was the real estate upon which his salvation would become reality in verse 14 we see the next component of the blessing the the promise god says your descendants will be like the dust of the earth remember this was the same promise given to abraham and sarah in the midst of their barrenness it was the same promise given to isaac and rebecca as they prayed for a child. And now this promise is given to Jacob, that God would give him many descendants. But the promise isn't just about the descendants. The end of verse 14 says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. The promise is about the blessing that God would bring to the whole world through this one particular family. And we've been Following the story, and we know that the word blessing isn't used in the way that we often use it in America today. It's not just that things would go well for them. It's not that they would be financially prosperous. This is pointing us to something very specific that God would do. Or perhaps someone very specific that God would send. Then there are several more statements that I think are worth pointing out that God makes during Jacob's dream several more promises. In verse 15, God says, I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. But perhaps the most profound part of this uh, reaffirmation of his covenant promises with Jacob is the one-way nature of these promises. The word I shows up, according to my count, seven times in these couple of verses. The entire theme is what God will do. God says, I will give. I am with you. I will bring you. I will not leave you. I have promised. God is the one doing the promising. The story is all about what God is going to do. What God has promised to do through these people. God is the active party in this story, in this covenant. God is the one who's bringing to completion what he desires. We see in our text today a, a reminder of the promises of God. That this isn't just a, a random story in a disjointed collection of books. God is at work, working to rescue and redeem and restore his creation. God comes down. He gives Jacob this image of, of a staircase, God connecting heaven and earth, and promises that everything that's broken, everything humanity is trying so desperately to fix, will all be made right. God will do it. That, that's the very center and purpose and meaning of God's promises to Abraham and then to Isaac and then now to Jacob. That he will fix all that is broken. God gives Jacob a reminder of his covenant promises. Now I want to share two practical lessons that we find in this account. And the first one is this, that God meets his people in their moment of need. Think about Jacob's situation. He's alone. We don't know this with certainty, But it's certainly the implication of the text. Nobody else is mentioned from the time he leaves his homeland to the time he arrives at the homeland of his ancestors. We don't hear anybody else mentioned. He's alone in the middle of a long journey. We know that Jacob's situation was more dire than that, though. He was also disgraced. Think about why he's running away. Why is he fleeing? Because his older brother Esau wants him dead. Jacob had fleeced his brother twice, deceived his father, and now Esau wants to kill him. And so Jacob runs away. Remember when his father Isaac went to Haran. You remember that story from a number of weeks ago when Isaac went to the same place to find a wife. He was sent by his father with camels and servants and gold And there's no mention of any of that on this trip that Jacob takes. Only lonely Jacob, under the stars, his head on a rock. But aren't those lonely, disgraced moments in our lives when God does his best work? When we're most open to hearing and receiving from the Lord. That many of us have experienced those seasons when the chisel plow of trials and suffering has carved deep into the hard soil of our hearts, we find ourselves, while unwilling participants, grateful for that preparatory work, grateful that God had had driven us out of our comfort and into a place where we would actually listen, where we would actually hear his voice, where we'd be open to him. Would Jacob have listened to God back home? Would his posturing and self-promoting and heel grasping heart have been receptive to god's voice we, we can't know that but he was certainly receptive with his head propped against a rock in the lonely wilderness god meets us in our moment of need and god has an amazing ability as only the creator and lord of all things can to take difficult and painful situations to take our trials and our suffering and turn them into something beautiful and good. But think for a moment about the circumstances of God's nocturnal visit to Jacob. Upon what basis did God make his promises to Jacob? We're reminded that it's the same basis upon which God has revealed himself to us, upon which he has made himself known and his promises known to me. And and of course, it's always grace and never merit. Always grace and never merit. Now some of you might be wondering, and rightfully so, why Jacob? Of all the people that God could have chosen to carry his mission to save the world forward, why did he pick Jacob? He certainly could have found someone more deserving than Jacob the deceiver. But who? Who would have been holy enough? Who would have been deserving enough to receive the promise and the blessing of God? But that's how it shows us the beauty of how God works. We see it countless times in the Bible that God finds people at the end of their rope. God seeks out sinners, disgraced and alone. God tracks down doubters and idolaters and adulterers and liars and the broken, and and he gives them his grace, and he makes them promises, and, and he carries out his plan, his good work in them and through them his plan to rescue and redeem and restore his creation and god does it over and over and over again god meets us in our moment of need with his grace the second practical lesson that i want to share with you today is this that, that our proper response to god's grace is worship Verse 18 says, early the next morning Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it and he called that place Bethel. Jacob wakes up and he immediately builds an altar, a place of worship, a memorial to what God had done and he makes a vow to the Lord. He says, if all that God has said is true, if, if, God, if, if everything that you've said is true, then this pillar will be your house the gate of heaven and i will give back to god i will give back to you he says in worship we see in exodus chapter 40 for example this pouring of oil the pouring of of oil the anointing was an act of consecration it was setting that place apart as holy as reserved for god's purposes And so Jacob consecrates this place, and he calls it Bethel, which literally means house of God. God shows up, he reveals himself to Jacob, and Jacob's response is to worship, to set this place apart for the worship of the Lord. And and I would argue that Jacob's response should always be our response to God's grace, to God's promises. It's the only fit, the only Proper response. True worship services, for example, are patterned after this encounter between God and Jacob at Bethel. God comes to us through his word and sacrament. God speaks. God brings us to the end of ourselves through the law. And then he gives us, he makes promises to us in the gospel. God meets us through his word. He washes us clean. He nourishes us. At his table, he sends us out with a word of blessing and promise. And our only proper response is to give him our worship. Jacob's response is, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. True worship is, in fact, giving back to God from what he has given to us. It's saying back to God what he has said to us we aren't here to impress God we can't impress God we don't gather because we are holier than anyone else because we are superior to anyone we aren't here because we are the righteous ones but because we know we need the righteous one when we gather to worship we gather as people in need nothing to offer empty-handed nothing in our possession that doesn't already belong to the Lord And God speaks to us and God makes promises and we offer back to God what he has already given to us. The only proper response to God's grace is worship. We've seen this this great reminder of God's covenant promises. We've made note of a couple of practical lessons from this encounter and I want to leave you today where we began with that stairway. But rather than the Led Zeppelin version of the stairway to heaven, I wanna give you Jesus's version. It's found in John chapter one, verse 51. Jesus speaks of this dream that Jacob had. Listen to what Jesus says. Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open And the angels of god ascending and descending does that sound familiar he's quoting our text but then listen to this on the son of man we can't miss the imagery here angels and ascending and descending jesus is quoting verse 12 of our text but instead of ascending and descending on a stairway or on a ladder the angels are ascending and descending on the son of man in other words jesus says i am the stairway in jacob's dream i am the one true stairway to heaven i am jacob's ladder that connects heaven and earth jesus says i am the way and the truth and the life the only way to heaven jesus says i am the mediator between a holy god and sinful mankind you can't buy him you can't earn him Jesus is the thing that all humanity has been searching for and he can only ever be received so the call to each of us today is to repent and to believe the gospel to believe the promises of God to repent of our sin and our foolish attempts at trying to save ourselves and to simply believe what God has said, that Jesus is sufficient, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and that he alone is the stairway to heaven. Revealed in Bethel, at Jacob's dream, raised from the dead, coming again to rescue and redeem and restore his creation. And just like Jacob, we are left with the promises of God. And one specific promise I want to leave you with today. God says he promises this. I will not leave you until I have finished what I have promised to you. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks today for your A great love for us, for your plan of salvation, that you sent your Son to rescue us from our sin, to give us hope and life. We thank you that you meet us in our moment of need. Uh, So we worship you, O Lord. We confess that all that we have is yours, that all that you've given to us is by grace alone and never based upon our deserving, our merit. May our response, our heartfelt response to you be to worship you, to declare your goodness, to exalt your name, to follow you. And above all, we thank you today for all that Jesus did for us, that he died for our sin, that he rose again, conquering the grave. And so we pray that you would be glorified as we worship you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.